to the lost souls, the disintegrated spirits, the wanderers, the dreamers, and the seekers. Welcome to the Embodied Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle McGinnis. Our work in this podcast will be to foster healing, transformation, self-expression, creativity, and the development of consciousness. So with our intentions grounded firmly, let's settle in and do some integration work. Hey friends, happy Sunday and welcome back to another episode of the Embodied Podcast. If you guys are loving what you're hearing on the show, I would really appreciate it if you slid over to iTunes, dropped a five-star rating or a written review and just let me know what you are loving about the show and what you want to hear more of. Those ratings and reviews help get the show organically into more ears and more souls across the world. So if you've already done that, thank you so much. So on today's episode, I wanted to read a fairy tale called The Woman Without Hands. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that, but I want to go through this fairy tale. There's a section at the end part of the book Trauma and the Soul. It's the last um, book club book that Rick and I did for our book club. And this fairy tale in particular has been incredibly impactful in my own personal analysis and my own journey. And I can include an amazing lecture that a scholar did on this fairy tale and put that in the show notes for you guys. I send it to some of my clients who this fairy tale resonates with. I'm going to read the fairy tale, but I wanted to take a section out of the fairy tale about this woman and her hands and talk about what that experience has been like in my life. So I'll start out by going through the fairy tale first. So here is the woman without hands. A certain miller had fallen into poverty and soon had nothing left but his mill and a large apple tree behind it. One day when he was fetching wood, a strange old man stepped out and asked him why he was bothering to cut wood. The stranger then offered to make him rich if he would just give what is standing behind your mill. The miller thought, this must surely be the old apple tree. He willingly signed a written promise with the stranger who informed the miller that he would come in three years to carry away what was his. Soon, great wealth started to flow into the house, and the miller's wife inquired about it. The miller explained who it came from and what he had promised in return. Ah, husband, said the terrified wife, that must have been the devil. He did not mean the apple tree. He meant our daughter who was standing behind the mill, sweeping the yard. So after three years... The devil came to fetch his prize, but the beautiful pious daughter had washed herself clean and made a circle around herself with chalk, so the devil could not come near her. Angrily, he said to the miller, take all the water away from her, otherwise I have no power over her. The miller did so, but then the next day the devil came and she had wept on her hands and they were quite clean again, so he could not get near her. Furiously, he said to the miller, cut off her hands, or else I have no power over her. After weakly protesting, the father cut off the hands of his daughter, begging her for forgiveness the whole time, saying the devil made me do it. Dear father, do with me what you will, I am your child, said the daughter, submitting. This time, the devil came, she had wept so profusely on her stumps that they were quite clean, so he lost all power over her for the time being. 
The miller, now rich from the devil, offered to keep his daughter handsomely for as long as she lived. But the mutilated girl said, here I cannot stay. I will go forth. Compassionate people will give me as much as I require. Then she set off with her stumps of her arms exposed and walked until she came to a royal garden full of beautiful trees laden with delicious looking pears. The girl was starving with hunger, but the garden was surrounded by a moat so she could not enter. She fell to her knees and prayed to God for help, whereupon an angel appeared, dried up the moat, and enabled her to eat one of the pears. All the while, the gardener was watching in the bushes, and the next morning, when the king came to inspect his orchard, a gardener told him about the strange sight of the maimed girl and her guardian spirit. The king wanted to witness this and agreed to watch the gardener the next night. He brought a priest with him to deal with the angel. At midnight, the girl appeared again, and with her angel ate another pear as the king watched. Then the priest went out to them and said, Do you come from heaven or earth? Are you a spirit or a human being? She replied, I am no spirit, but an unhappy mortal, deserted by all but God. The king said, If you are forsaken by all the world, yet I will not forsake you. He took her with him into the royal palace, and as she was so beautiful and good, he loved her with all his heart. He had silver hands made for her and took her to be his wife. After the king had made his wife the silver hands, he had to go on a journey and left his now pregnant bride in the care of his mother, along with instructions to inform him by letter when the child was born. When the fine boy arrived, the mother therefore wrote a letter announcing the joyous news, but the letter was intercepted by the same devil who had tried to possess the young girl and then had her hands chopped off. He exchanged the letter for another in which was written that the queen had brought a monster into the world. When the king read this, he was much troubled, but admonished his mother to take great care of the queen until his arrival. This letter, the devil also intercepted, and instructions were given to the mother to put the queen and her child to death. The mother refused to do so, and instead sent the young queen and her child into the forest, bidding to never come back again. The poor queen tied her child to her back and went away with her eyes full of tears. She fell on her knees and prayed again, the angel of the Lord appeared and led her to a little house in the forest, which was a sign with the words, Here all dwell free. Another angel greeted the young queen and told her that she had been sent by God to watch over her and the child. The queen stayed for seven years in the little house and was well cared for, and by God's grace, because of her piety, her hands, which had been cut off, grew back once more. Meanwhile, the king returned, discovered the devil's plot with the switch letters, and set off into the forest to find his queen and her child. He also wandered for seven long years and neither ate nor drank. But God supported him until, at length, he came along the little house where he was welcomed by the angel. Here he found his lost wife, and to his amazement, discovered that her own hands had regrown. A heavy stone fell from the king's heart. Now, reunited with his beloved and new son, the king and queen were married again and lived contently to their happy end. So this is a really brutal story. The girl gets her hands chopped off by her own father because he had made a deal with the devil. And we don't want to take this so literally in particular, but this is the masculine that is willing to coercively get power over the feminine 
for material means. So this type of masculine represented by the father is a betrayal of the masculine, which we often see in this patriarchal society. So many women walk around without hands because their hands have been chopped off given the society that they live in. They have to sacrifice themselves for money, become objects for money. And the only thing that saves this girl from complete possession from darkness and the devil is her own genuine tears. It's the expression of her own genuine emotion. One of the great parts of this story is after the father had realized what he had done, he makes this deal with his daughter that he will take care of her for all time. And the daughter says to her father, I cannot stay here. And she goes off wandering into the forest. And that is so relevant to so many times in our lives. We have participated unconsciously in this deal with the devil thus our hands have been chopped off and our hands represent that which we can grasp things we can handle things hands are so important in working with psychological material and without hands it's hard for us to handle anything and as the daughter realizes she can't even bear fruit because she can't reach she can't grasp for the fruit she can't grasp for the nourishment that her soul needs and so she drops to her knees again and prays to God and this is our like rock bottom moments when we realize that we have no way of handling the material that we've been given and we finally stop participating in that cycle and we get down to our knees and ask for help And that submission, rather than participation in this dissociated masculine experience, brings the spirit, the angelic spirit that helps give her fruit nourishment from the tree, the pear. That angel in particular attracts the eyes of the gardener, which is the gardener of the king, which is basically a new masculine principle the new potential masculine is now invited to witness the divine spirit of this feminine. Even though she's maimed and she is dismembered, he sees the divine spirit associated with her and says, I will take care of you. And he marries her and gives her a set of silver hands. This is the part I wanted to talk about because in my life in particular, I in my, I've talked on the podcast before about the past experiences of an emotionally abusive relationship and, you know, going through eating disorder patterns and running a strength and conditioning company and all of the stuff that came along with that. And in that, I definitely was a woman without hands and a rock bottom in my life basically brought me to my knees and said I can't participate in this pattern anymore and I didn't know what that implied and it was incredibly scary but I at least surrendered some of my will to power and that brought with it 
I suppose, a divine spirit of there's something more here than this patriarchal pattern that I must split myself and dismember myself to participate in. And at that time, really interestingly enough, um, Rick came along in my life. And thinking about this story, you know, we want to look at this story as like part of, of one psyche, right? But like oftentimes in relationship, there are projections happening. And if this king that comes along is the, the potential creative masculine, oftentimes in actual life, an outer person will come along that mirrors back to you the potential of that creative masculine. And that's exactly what Rick was for me in my life because Rick was an author and a speaker and he was so incredibly inspiring. He is incredibly inspiring to me. But at the time that we met, I did not see that in myself. I was maimed by the masculine and my masculine energy was incredibly distorted and disrupted. But when I met Rick, he definitely gave me these silver hands. It gave me a springboard to to move forward in my journey. And again, when the king gives the woman the silver hands, then she becomes impregnated with his child. So that's the birth of the new masculine potential within which is really interesting because the really important thing about the story is the king goes off, letters are intercepted by the devil, the mother-in-law gets word to kill the daughter, but she refuses and she goes into the forest for seven years. And in that time, that incubation period, because of her own courage and capacity to, to be with that time of solitude, in the forest, meaning symbolically our time with the unconscious, because she was able to stay with that, she was graced with her own hands grew back, which is really important because just because in my personal experience, Rick gave me silver hands, a way to reimagine my own creativity, a way to see myself as creative when I viewed myself differently through the lens of the old masculine principle of the father, basically the the miller in the story. And through that lens, I was just an object in the system's habitual cycling. And that cut off my hands, that cut off my ability to handle being myself in the world. And connected to the true essence of me it dismembered me in the process and rick again gave me those silver hands it gave me a a kind of a liminal space that i could start to wrestle with my own my own new masculine potential as that was growing with in me there is this really interesting period of time in relationship where at least this has been my experience with Rick, is where we went through this really gritty time where we could no longer hold each other's projections. So I started to see that Rick wasn't this perfect divine king that was all creative, 
but he was the person that was able to mirror that back to me in such a brilliant way and that's beautiful but that's not all he was he was human as well and in that period of time when you're pulling back projections from your partner it's not necessarily the same because there might be a, a type of introversion where where in the past you would project all of your shadows onto your partner and those shadow gifts onto your partner when you're pulling back those projections it's a state of introversion so you go into the forest and that period of time is really uncomfortable in the relationship because you know things get intercepted by the devil and we're not sure you know how is the other person still the person that I thought that they were and ultimately the king comes back and realizes that she's not she's grown her own hands back and he has to grapple with that too but then they get married again and in this book trauma and the soul cowshed talks about the lesser conjunctio as the first marriage and the greater conjunctio as the second marriage the conjunctio is the union of opposites in alchemy so the masculine and feminine combine and that lesser conjunctio is like kind of the first phase of bringing the opposites together but then there's this period of separation where things have to become a little bit more differentiated and then when they come back together it's the greater conjunctio ultimately the moral of the story that i'm trying to convey to you guys is that if somebody comes along that is your metaphorical king and gives you silver hands, it's very, very important that you don't stop there in your journey because those silver hands aren't real hands. They were given to you by somebody else. They're not yours. They're not a genuine expression of you. And while just because they're not a genuine expression of you, that doesn't mean that they're not incredibly helpful. Rick's reflections back to me about my creativity, that's amazing. But I have to wrestle with that and start to grapple and engage with my own creativity in order to grow my own set of hands. Or else I am reliant on this outer masculine principle rather than giving birth to my own masculine and also growing back my own hands. And I know this is a little bit metaphorical, it's using images, and fairy tales can be kind of confusing, but so many women in particular have lived their lives in this split, dismembered fashion as a result of being objectified by the masculine, that they have no capacity, they have no hands to get nourishment in order to grow their hands back but again at the beginning of the story while she connects to her genuine grief the tears protect her from complete annihilation from the devil and that in particular is a really important phase of working through trauma or any dismembering experience is reconnecting with a genuine emotion and then that state of introversion in solitude, that state of perhaps somebody else holding the projections of your gifts and your possibilities along the way. And then again, that introversion where you're wrestling and grappling with and giving birth to and raising 
that new divine masculine potential within yourself. So anyway, if you guys have questions on this, feel free to reach out. I would be happy to answer them. This fairy tale in particular has been so incredibly potent in my life. And obviously, given the story about meeting Rick in one of the most dismembered periods of time in my life, it's very, very relevant. But I, again, will link in the show notes a, um, a lecture about this fairy tale from a scholar, a Jungian scholar, and you can listen to that because it's an incredible interpretation of the fairy tale as well. So anyway, I hope that you guys have a great week and we will talk on Thursday. Bye guys.